Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Audrey Hartland. Audrey is an Executive MBA format student in our class of 2020, and she and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about why she decided to pursue an MBA, uh, what led her to Darden, how she's managed to balance life and work and school, as well as her advice for prospective students. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Audrey Hartland. Audrey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. All right. So tell us about you. Who are you and what's your background? Um, I grew up in Ohio, outside of Cleveland, and went to school in North Carolina for my undergraduate degree, studied politics and communications and felt like that was um, uh, something that I should pursue in terms of my career. So right out of school, moved to D.C. and worked for a senator in their um, press and communications office, which was really interesting. Great learning opportunity, but um, found that I wanted to you know, solve larger business challenges. So I joined a publishing company and worked as a part of their marketing team and really built it from the ground up. Um, we hosted events all over the country and, uh, you know, developed direct marketing campaigns and developed all of their digital properties and um, helped grow that company uh, a significant amount, but felt like I was ready to tackle um, the brand world and really wanted to understand um, more about consumer packaged goods and retail and some other B2C markets. So I joined uh, an advertising agency in D.C. called the Pappas Group as um, a new business and marketing manager there. So really worked very closely with the founder and the president to help grow that business um, and learned all about the, the process and you know how we design strategies and work with creative teams to launch campaigns and products and um, websites. We got acquired by a larger technology company called DMI. And uh, as a result, we uh, were one of six different acquisitions that happened at the same time. So we worked, our team uh, being the brand experts, helped develop a, a new cohesive brand for all of those companies, um, learned a lot, uh, very challenging to, to balance all of the different priorities and services and skill sets that all the companies covered. So it worked there um, and helped develop that brand and launch a go-to-market strategy. Uh, following that, I wanted to be client-facing. So uh, really joined the strategy team which owned really the business problem for any of our clients and paired it together with consumer insights. So trying to find sort of that one single thing that really is going to um, help solve the challenge that the client's asking for, but, you know, sort of tug on the heartstrings of the consumer or whoever that user is to make sure it sticks and loved that work. Um, but then decided really that getting my MBA would help improve the, the quality of any of the solutions or strategies I can deliver to my clients. Um, you know, I, I had some experience working with a large retailer um, and we touched their operations team and their finance team and their talent and service team. So I really wanted to broaden, you know, the understanding I have of, um, of businesses uh, and anything that I would recommend for them. So um, I'm sort of answering a lot of different questions right now. <laughs> um, so obviously really di- diverse group, although yes. there's some threads that run through it. 
uh, you've recently had a career change, taken yeah. a new job. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been? You know, people ask about uh, switching careers all the time as part of the program. Um, and sometimes people do it towards the end of the program. You've obviously done it sort of in media rest here, uh, in, you know, in the middle of the program, so to speak. Yeah. How, how has that been? It's been great. Um, I, I wasn't really planning on getting a new job until after I had graduated, but, um, in Q5, I believe we took a professional development course with Connie who is wonderful. And she really just, um, sort of planted the seed for me and helped me figure out, you know, what are the right things that I need to be thinking about and doing, um, in order to set myself up for uh, a good next step. And so one of those things was really just doing some research, having, you know, informational interviews with folks. And I sort of rode that momentum from that class and reached out to different individuals at organizations and tapped into my network, both through, um, my Darden classmates, as well as, you know, my personal networks, um, and got connected with someone who was a, a partner at a local consulting firm. We really hit it off, um, and you know, I I went through that process and was recruited to join their strategy team. So it sort of just seemed like a really good opportunity that I I couldn't push off any longer. And I think that they have been enormously supportive of me participating in the program. I I think truly I wouldn't have even been considered for the role or gotten in an interview if I hadn't you know had Darden or um, an MBA on my resume. So I feel like it's already you know, um, made it all worth it. So I think it's, it's been a really great experience so far. Well, that's, that's awesome. Um, awesome to hear, uh, and glad to hear that they've been supportive. That can mm-hmm. always be a little tricky when you're starting a new job while the program's going on, you're trying to build your brand and develop relationships at your new, new mm-hmm. job. It's really important to have a boss or, you know, a company that's behind you says, no, we hired you because of this. We want you to get the most, ex- most out of this experience too. Absolutely. Um, and I think they recognize how valuable it is and really the the culture at Slalom, the organization I'm with now, is really all about you know balancing your personal and professional life and um, pursuing what you're passionate about. So obviously, this is you know something that I've uh, committed to, and and it really brings a lot of value. I think day to day, both to to myself and my personal growth, but they see it you know in in how I uh, deliver to the clients. Was an MBA something you'd always thought about? I'm always curious how long people think about an MBA before mm-hmm. actually taking taking the step of, of applying and, and pursuing it. And I asked because I was in New York this uh, just yesterday, and uh, some of the students were trying to figure out the timing question. Mm-hmm. How do you know it's the right time? You know, it's been on their mind. You know, so what did that look like for you? I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but um, growing up, my dad always encouraged me to get my MBA, and as a result. I said, no, like, I'm not going to do that <laughs> just because, I don't know, I had a little rebellious streak in me. So um, wanted to sort of pursue my own dreams and goals and career. And then, you know, once I was uh, about 25, I started to, you know, have it bubble up in my head that actually he's probably right. Like, this is a really good thing for me. But Um, you know, as I was 25, 26 and, you know, joining the strategy team and really getting some great client facing experience, I think I needed to, um, you know, begin to, uh, pursue finding the right, uh, school for me and the right program type. So at that point, you know, I, I wasn't sure I could jump away from my career for two years full time. Um, and, 
and I wanted to give myself the flexibility of still earning an income. And I had settled down in DC and, and had some strong roots here. So I, um, I felt like that was the right time for me. Um, and the Darden program just really in terms of format and convenience and, you know, just the institution and, and it seemed really like a perfect fit. So, um, it was pretty fortuitous in how it all came together, but I was resistant and then I kind of came around. <laughs> well, it's good for the Hollywood story arc of it, it all. Is, you it know, is. <laughs> your dad saying you really should think about it. Then, uh, you know, flash to you, you know, 20 plus years later, sitting at a desk being like, you were right, dad. Picking up the phone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And I actually interviewed him for, um, he is an entrepreneur. He started his own, uh, financial consulting company, um, as I was growing up and for our entrepreneurship, uh, class that I'm in right now, uh, for our final, we had to, uh, interview an entrepreneur and write a paper about their story. So it was kind of came full circle to talk to him and understand his story more from a business perspective. Um, cause I was there for the, the personal perspective of it, but it was really enlightening and powerful to be able to talk to him about, you know, how he, um, how he split up his equity and financed everything and have me have a really deeper understanding of functionally what that means, but also, um, personally pretty powerful. What did you learn in that conversation? I, you know, we know our parents as parents, I know. Uh, we don't always know their career experience. I learned that, I mean, I've always known that he's very, um, he, he perseveres through everything and he really has a strong vision, but I've learned a lot. Uh, through Darden and through my career, how important culture is as an, at an organization. And I think I, I took it for granted or really didn't spend that much time thinking about it, but he clearly created a very strong culture and committed to it um, at the organization and um, their, their vision. They were an independent advisory for um, endowment funds and institutional um, investments and you know, with that independent perspective, they sort of had to maintain this squeaky clean reputation. And it was really something that they held all of their employees accountable for. And, you know, it's, I remember different employees and other, um, leadership team members that he would serve with, and we would, you know, hang out with socially growing up. And it was interesting to see, you know, who came and who went and really how they were beneficial to the culture or not. And really how, um, how deep that goes and how important that is. Well, your, your point about culture, uh, it resonates with me because I think it's true to the MBA research process, too. Mm -hmm. I talk to a lot of prospective students who their initial focus is around rankings and brand and all, all of these things, which are, are you know important. Mm -hmm. uh, but as they get deeper into the process, they have more interactions, they meet more people, they do class visit, events, all this kind of stuff. The culture piece starts to become more and more important. You start to realize there are a lot of great schools it's about finding a place where you feel sort of at home and comfortable and mm -hmm. all of this. And I think that made all the difference for me too. Um, I have always thrived or been most successful when I'm in an environment where I could be myself, you know, sort of unapologetically. And um, some people have a very different, you know, personal life and they're one version of themselves at home and one version of themselves at work. But I really struggled to do that. So I wanted that to translate over to school. You know, I didn't want to be a different version of Audrey um, just when I was in the classroom. So I felt like, you know, Darden, I really, as soon as I walked in and everyone that I interacted with really accepted me and appreciated me for who I was and what I had to offer. Um, and, and other people felt the same way. So it, it's really just where I felt uh, the most comfortable and confident, and it was the right environment where I could really, you know, thrive and, and blossom. So what, 
how did you think, I mean, you had a choice of negotiations or entrepreneurial thinking, mm-hmm. right, for that elective. Um, how did you pick entrepreneurial thinking? Are you interested in entrepreneurship? Is it something that's on your mind? I am. I think um, growing up with a father who is an entrepreneur and working so closely at um, the digital agency I worked with who um you know, my, my boss and my partner in crime really was the owner and the founder. So I've really had a lot of opportunity to work very closely with people who are very passionate about growing and building organizations that they care about. Um, and I think that it's always something that I've had in the back of my mind that I've, um, always wanted to, you know, own something or help build something. I think, uh, the part that I struggle with is really having the idea. Like I've always wanted to find a partner who had a product or a vision and and I could help bring it to life. Um, And I think I've met a lot of really interesting classmates and people. um, I haven't quite figured out the right thing yet. I actually um, was approached to help do just that um, when I was deciding between, you know, pursuing a role at Slalom or pursuing a more entrepreneurial role um, to help grow and build a, an organization. But again, culture was important there. And I felt like Slalom um, was a better fit for me. And, and the other organization was based in California. So I'd have to be remote and being around people and being energized by that is is a really big factor for me. So again, it, it lines up to the experience that Darden provides. You know, you have distance classes, but the, the root and the core of really the experience is in person on our on grounds and being able to, to work and collaborate and see people face to face. I see tons of classmates outside of school. And, um, so that's really important too. So we had a club night here with the uh, first year students who are just getting settled in. So mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for them to learn about all the extracurricular clubs. And, and there are folks from the iLab that were here, um, entrepreneurial resources at, at Darden. And they were talking with a, f- a few students who had ideas, um, different business ideas they were kicking around, pursuing at various stages of, of seriousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, what they were saying is like, all right, it's just, you know, you have this idea, try it. What's the feedback? Use that feedback, try something else. You just never know where you're going to end up in all of that. I, I right. find this whole thing very interesting because, like, I, I've said this a couple times on the podcast, my own sort of naive notion of what entrepreneurship it, it is is very different than, like, practically what you – the more you learn about it and how people arrive at whatever they choose to pursue, it's it's very much an iterative process. And, right. You know, I, I find that com- completely fascinating. So yeah. the PAC course that you mentioned mm-hmm. – um, Universally beloved course. Uh, Connie Dunlop has been on the podcast before. She's coming back on the podcast. Repeat, uh, visitor, repeat visitor Connie. Honestly, she should have her own podcast. We've talked to her about this. <laughs> it's a great opportunity um, for for her building her own brand. We are uh, pushing her to do it, so we'll see. Um, but I was again in New York last night, and all the current students were talking about how impactful that class was. Mm -hmm. And I don't think prospective students expect to hear the class that I've perhaps derived the most value from is this professional advancement course. But it's a Mm -hmm. profound course. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that course is? It really is, yeah. And I think um, maybe it's because it's it's surprising that it's so impactful. Um, But I think the thing that was most powerful for me was – uh, in terms of assignments and preparation for class, it's really forcing you to write down and think about, you know, how you position yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? We talk about it a lot in our leadership classes and our, you know, working together on our learning teams. But um, it really was a turning point for me when we 
did essentially some mock preparation for interviews and you had to write down, you know, really, what are you most passionate about? Um, why is this a good fit for you? You know, why should we hire you? And I created, you know, I had this thought that really kind of bubbled up to the top. Um, and I think it helped me, you know, get the role and get hired to where I was, but it, it also feels very genuine in that, um, they, you know, why would I pursue consulting? Um, I really like to solve problems for people. And I think I'm also one of five children, right? So I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle, whether you look at nine cousins or five children or whatever it might be. Um, so I'm this sort of diplomat that's in the middle and I'm trying, you know, it also, uh, sort of is intrinsic in me and that I like to make other people happy. I'm a people pleaser, but ultimately I like to solve problems and I like to do that for clients. And I like the outcome and being able to say, Hey, you were struggling with this for a long time. Um, and, and I brought in some fresh perspective and some resources and helped to turn that around for you. And really, you know, it's all about making the clients happy. And I think that just being able to write down that like, Hey, my true passion is solving problems for other people and having the outcome be better. Um, and it, it just felt really great that it was so genuine, but also really true. You know, I'm not just trying to write something down because it sounds good. Um, so I think just the, the act and um, some of the activities that Connie has you do during that course really make a big difference um, in terms of just your, your personal recognition of what's important and what you want to pursue. And we had even picked out a podcast title for Connie. What Connie, is it? Connie's Career Corner. Oh, Why my gosh. Look at that. <laughs> Snuggle up on the couch. Just listen to her. Listen I, to Connie. I, honestly. Um, so, obviously, she's uh, tremendous at what she does and provoking that sort of reflection, introspection. Mm -hmm. PAC has moved to uh, quarter one, which is which is exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what that means for students. Uh, starting that process earlier, you, you did it during the middle of the program. Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes a lot of sense for a variety of reasons to have it up front. Um, and so, you know, this is the first class that's had that opportunity. So we are all sort of eager to see what, what that means in terms of people's career aspirations, what they choose yeah. to do. Uh, the more people decide just, Hey, I'm going to go all in on this venture that I've been thinking about, or, you know, maybe I am a switcher or mm -hmm. maybe I'm going to push trying to climb a little bit more, uh, sooner in the process. I, who knows? So that's, that's, that's exciting. one of the storylines we're following for this year. And I think, um, another powerful thing that Connie did was allow everyone in the class to really open themselves up for things that they can give and offer, um, and things that, you know, they're seeking. So to, to start so early on to say, hi, like I am a consultant and I can help you build presentations. Like people can leverage that throughout the rest of the course. Or, you know, if you are looking to learn more about a specific industry, it really kind of opens up the conversation where a lot of those connections and, um, conversations can be really powerful. How have you balanced life and work in school? This is, one of these things that I think all of our prospective students wonder about. I think it's one of those things that can be a deterrent mm -hmm. uh, for people as they think about the program or any uh, executive MBA program, uh, just like uh, the time demands of it. I, um, I also got married during the program, so I got to plan a wedding and work and do school. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> Life um, does continue yeah. to happen. How many babies have been born in your, your class like as well? Like 10 at least. It it's lot. insane. I, 
I didn't do that. That's true. Um, but getting married, significant step, particularly when you think about everything that goes into the point of getting married, like yeah. you know, just all the planning and stuff. You, what did that look like in terms of time? So I think um, it was really helpful. I love a good to-do list. I love a good schedule. And so I really taught myself in that first quarter how to um, how long it took me to do things, how long it took me to prepare for a given um, distance class or an on-grounds weekend, and then really look um, when each quarter starts, I take a look at all the different assignments and work that we have to do, and I create a schedule for myself. So looking at both my social schedule, my work schedule, um, and then you know how long an assignment might take me, and I really plan it out. So as long as I um, stick to that schedule, I am in really good shape and, and feel very well prepared for everything. Things come up all the time. Um, you know, I have to travel for work at the last minute or, you know, uh, as an assignment takes me longer than I anticipated, but I think that we also lean on one another on our learning teams and, um, asking for someone to, to help me out or send me their notes. Um, but I think really just let yourself figure out in the first quarter, how long you need to prep for things that you feel really good about it. And then, um, you know, create a schedule for yourself and stay accountable to it. Um, and, and I was able to really tackle all three of those things and get a new job and get married. Um, and I'm feeling good. So that's great. And you're on the downhill side of the program. You're at the end of quarter seven. You're in the midst of exams right now, right? Yep. Um, quarter eight, nine, ten, you'll be done. LR2 graduation. I know. Oh man. It's crazy. Totally nuts. So, um, what did your actual schedule look like? Um, I find this interesting because some people like wake up really early in the morning. Some mm-hmm. people use the time late at night. Some people have a whole day on the weekend uh, where they're doing a lot of work uh, because their weeks are crazy. Uh, how did you manage your time? Not to get too granular, yeah, but I think no. people are interested in it. I'm happy to share. Um, I would say it's a combination of I would rather do small chunks at a time rather than dedicate a whole day to it. Um, as you know, uh, a strong extrovert, I need to be able to have some social interaction, um, in order to feel balanced. So I would say, um, about two or three days a week, I'm doing, um, some schoolwork, you know, um, after work or maybe after dinner at home. Um, sometimes there would be the opportunity to, um, you know, get something done in the afternoon at work, um, which was helpful, but that's not really the case anymore. So I think it would be, um, you know, a couple hours throughout the week. And then maybe, uh, especially during an exam time or studying for something or preparing for an on-grounds, it might be, you know, a, a morning on Saturday and then have the afternoon on Saturday and Sunday to, you know, to, to use accordingly. Yeah. Um, I, I just find all of it really, I mean, cause people always ask like how much time do people spend per week and what does it look like? And so much diversity there. I think yeah. we stopped five students during a on grounds residency. Uh, one person would say they spend 10 hours. Another person would stay, say they spend 30 hours. You know, it, it just wow. depends on yeah. that person's schedule and you know, how they take to the material or, you know, what else they have going on in their life. It, it sounds glib when we say it, but sometimes the amount of time you spend on the program is, is also a function of the amount of time you have to spend on the program in that, in that week. Absolutely. And, and also, um, you know, what you really want to get out of it. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not 
an accountant, but I knew that I really wanted to wrap my head around those like very fundamental aspects. Um, so I would sort of lever up the amount of time and energy I spent into building my models and my spreadsheets and, um, you know, versus marketing where I feel very comfortable and that's like a big function of my job, but want to understand the educational principles of it. So, um, it, it also depends on, on the quarter and, and the context and, and what's, um, what's on tap. The thing that we stress with prospective students is that when you come back to school at this particular juncture in your career, your lens is a little bit different. Uh, it's mm-hmm. more about learning, You're probably less grade obsessed than perhaps at an earlier juncture. I, I can't say, I mean, that was a very broad generalization. Maybe not everybody feels that way, but that's my impression is that people are like, I'm trying to get certain things out of this. I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Um, that's also a way that people meter their time and decide when's enough, enough is enough. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think everybody's here because they're an achiever in some way, shape or form. But I think we're also, you know, in the executive program in particular, you know, we we're all pretty, you know, confident and comfortable with ourselves and where we are in life. Um, we know what we know and we know what we don't know. So, uh, you know, being able to be okay with, you know, not being in the top 10% of the class, I'm totally okay with that because I have gotten out of it really what I want to and what I need to. And it's, um, you know, if that's going to help you feel the most successful, um, to get, you know, DPs and everything, go for it. But just for me personally, it's really more about the people and the process. And, um, I've learned more about myself, I think throughout the program than I have in any one particular subject matter area, which I think is more valuable than anything. Um, but that'll flex depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. The self-awareness component of it is, um, something that surprised me as someone who I went to law school, Mm -hmm. came, came to work uh, at Darden, didn't know a lot about MBA programs, had this idea that it was all about technical knowledge. And then I was sitting here talking to alums and interviewing people for the podcast. And it was all this like Mm -hmm. self-awareness and communication and my blind spots and, you know, my strengths, you know, all, all the stuff that the program is great at helping you learn. Uh, and I undervalued that, I would say, but it's the stuff that matters a lot for managers, leaders. Yes, absolutely. And I think again, bringing it back, um, my dad was right all along growing up. He was always telling me that I would be great in business because I was great with people and I couldn't get the connection. I was like, but I'm, I'm bad at math. Like I'm in the intermediate algebra group. Like, I don't know, I can't do that. Um, and you know, as I've grown up and learned more, like, yes, there are certain technical skills that enable you to have conversations and make decisions and help inform you, but it really is all about people and, you know, um, understanding how to work with others in order to get things accomplished, whether that's, you know, um, as a leader or as a teammate. Um, but I think it's, it's the biggest part of it for me. And certainly something you get a lot of practice with here at Darden between the group prep that Mm -hmm. students do to get ready for class. I have yet to encounter a person who is preparing totally by him or herself for for class. I'm not sure that that truly can be done in the executive MBA. I don't think so. Um, It's not how it's designed, at least. Let's put it that way. And then the case discussions in class. Mm -hmm. So 65 plus people and their opinions and perspectives and experiences Mm -hmm. and you know, there's digression, there's tangents, but, you know, you learn different yeah. things through that. I, I think that's been particularly fascinating. Um, I have a teammate on my learning team who thinks pretty much about things and about the world in the opposite way from how I do in every way. So I think it's been a really 
incredible learning experience to work with him. Um, and I think it served me really well in the workplace too. Now, you know, I sort of understand who's going to be in the room, like, oh, you're an engineer. This is how I need to talk to you. He, when we were building a presentation together, um, you know, I'm very visual and very comfortable sort of making slideware and communicating through, um, you know, through design. And he really thought about slides through, uh, an equation. So we were sort of trying to meet in the middle and he was talking about like this plus this minus this divided by this equals this. And I was like, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. We're just really, truly speaking different languages. Um, so it's been really fulfilling to be able to understand those other perspectives and, um, feel equipped in order to have those conversations or collaborate with other folks who sort of share a similar mindset, um, in the working world. There was a blog post that we ran, a residential student who was involved with the Darden Military Association last year, uh, wrote this blog post um, and said something that really resonated with me, uh, given the nature of the learning experience here. He said that if you choose to come here, your goal should be to learn uh, from, as much as possible from the people who are truly the most different mm -hmm. uh, from you. Um, that will be the true value of the experience. If you can find those people who think differently, different experience, different background, and soak up everything you can from them, uh, that that is the real opportunity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and you're not going to be drawn to them as immediately as you might be to other people who think and do very similar things to you. But if you're really trying to expand your horizons and um, push yourself to the limits and understand how to work with all different types of people and um, understand things from different perspectives, that's where you, that's where you do it. So I'd encourage everybody to continue to push themselves and work with people who are different, you know, talk to them, understand their perspective and, and vice versa. Well, people ask us all the time what we're thinking about as an admissions committee yeah. um, in the admissions process. And I think from an applicant standpoint, there tends to be a lot of focus on undergraduate GPA or standardized test score. And those are relevant considerations for us. But oftentimes we spend way more time thinking about, are you interested in learning from others? Are you a mm -hmm. curious person? Are you interested in the world at large, global affairs, you know, different perspectives? Are you going to maximize the learning opportunity here, which is both... Uh, about what happens in the classroom, but also about what happens outside the classroom. Mm -hmm. As Yes, we're an executive MBA program, but these are designed to be residential experiences. Yeah. And, you know, many of our local students will actually end up coming, staying in the hotel. Oh, I do. Yeah. Every time, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you said that because um, I, people look at us like we're crazy. When no. We, and it's like, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What I tell people is like, it's so helpful to signal to all the people in your life that this is like a business trip and you need to be present for it and you're going away and you'll be back home Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got to carve out this time. You only get, you know, 20 or so weekend residencies uh, together. You know, you'll have uh, leadership residencies, but that's not a tremendous amount of time when you consider the, how quickly the program moves. Mm -hmm. I was surprised. Um that I felt that way. And I've, I've lived in DC for nine years and I own a place and I was thinking, Oh, I want to, I'm going to want to go home and stay in my own bed and see my husband and all those things. But, uh, now I don't want to do that. Like I, I love staying in the hotel. I love being able to hang out with everybody. Um, whether it's like grabbing a drink after class in the lobby, the hotel bartender gives me hugs now. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Um, and then, you know, running into people, getting coffee on our way to class every morning. It really, 
um, it makes a big difference, not only for signaling to other friends and family in the area that, you know, this is sort of my time to to step away and be present in the program, but also signal to your classmates that you really are here for it and you're you're ready to have conversations that are difficult and you're ready to follow up about things you talked about in class and learn more about them and what they want to pursue. And I think, um, you know, it might sound cliche, but I think some of the most powerful conversations I've had with classmates that have been really transformative happen outside of the classroom. Well, two things. Uh, one, uh, when we first launched up here in D.C. a, a couple years afterwards, we were still down the street at the top of the Waterview mm-hmm. uh, well, Waterview Building, which is what was then the Corporate Executive Board Tower. Deloitte is there. It's the 25th floor, and I, we were using the hotel next door. And I left uh, after some class visits and was walking through the lobby of the hotel. And I thought I was having some sort of like out-of-body type experience because like I knew everybody in the hotel. <laughs> like, how does this happen? Yeah. This, this can't be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I realized it was just all our students, you mm-hmm. know. Nine o'clock, hanging out, you know, residency weekend, just catching up. Yeah. Um, Faculty know. hang out there yeah, too. Yeah, so that was to me like one of the one of my favorite memories because that's what we aspirationally as an admissions committee uh, are hoping for. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is if you're interested in meeting our students, highly recommend you know kind of being around Compass Coffee yes. on a on a Saturday or Sunday um, around like maybe seven seven thirty a.m. Um, Right there at the corner of Moore and Wilson. That seems to be That's uh, the spot. right right down the hill. Just keep moving to uh, then uh, 1100 Wilson Boulevard to the top, 3031. I think the employees know, too. Like, I've gotten coffees there before, before class, and they ask me, you know, what classes I have today and wish me luck. So <laughs> I think, you know, on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m., there's not tons of traffic in there, so they know what's going on. The line is a little bit shorter than it is during the week. For uh, sure. So, uh, but Roslyn's coming up. You know, I will I will put in a quick plug for Roslyn because some of our listeners, first of all, may not even know what Roslyn yeah. is. It's in Arlington, Virginia. We're right across from Georgetown. And I think Georgetown gets a uh, the neighborhood gets a lot of, lot of attention. Um, and which is deserved. And, and so uh, Roslyn, though, um, in addition to a, a number of fast casual restaurants, has no less than two food halls mm-hmm. on the way. Um, I just read about that. That's I know. exciting. Things, things are happening here. It's a great location. We are uh, just one metro stop away from, from D.C. Uh, there's three metro lines, as, as we like to say, orange and blue mm-hmm. so, and silver, silver as well. Uh, we are five miles or so from D.C.A., five miles from Union Station, uh, this is the kind of research you do when you go to New York because people always want to know about maybe the train yeah. or the, the plane. And so um, got to have these fast facts, like right, right, great. close at hand. You're so, like Rosalind's hype man. They I'm, hire you. I'm trying to do, do what I can. Um, I think it's actually it's a great location because it's super accessible, very easy to get to D.C. You come here for a weekend residency, you want to explore the city. No problem there. You can walk a lot of places. Um, so totally, it's been a great place for us to be. I, I think it's as close uh, to DC as you could get and still remain in in, in Virginia. And uh, we obviously can see all of DC and all points south, north, east, west um, from our space here at, at eleven hundred Wilson. So. It's incredibly convenient. I think I work in Arlington. Um, so I'm used to driving here every day. It takes me like 15 minutes, um, but live in Adams Morgan, which is a neighborhood in Northwest DC. And yeah, there's, I mean, sometimes after class, we, we feel like going, um, to dinner in DC somewhere and we try somewhere fun and new, or sometimes we just want to go somewhere low key in Roslyn and, you know, 
grab a glass of wine and hang out, but it's really incredibly convenient. Well, for those who are less familiar with D.C., there are no shortage of great places to, to eat, and the restaurant scene is... I don't know how all these restaurants can make it, but they seem to be uh, doing just fine right now. I know. So, um, I'm a big foodie, so I like to try all the new places, get in, all the cool spots. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, it, I follow the Washington Post, and it seems like every every week uh, there's another new restaurant that they're recommending. So uh, another another highlight of being in the D.C. area. For so sure. ask the same last question of everybody, Audrey. Okay. Um, you're now pretty senior in the program, uh, well into your second year. Um, what advice would you share with prospective students? I would say I've never spoken with someone who wasn't enormously happy that they did it. Like, I don't think I've talked to anyone who hasn't gotten something out of it, whether it's personal growth or a network or a career change like me. I think I've gotten all of those things. And I think um, it's a little daunting in that it's a lot of work, but I honestly feel like I I would never turn back. Well, thank you for taking time. It's been a very full morning here. I know. Um, I, I was a little later arriving because I was out of town last last night, but uh, we had our first leadership speaker series here, our women's leadership series. Uh, Jean Case mm-hmm. uh, was here. How was the talk? It was amazing. Yeah. So Jean Case, if you're not familiar, she's. Um, you know, she was an executive at AOL, and now she's the CEO of the Case Foundation, um, as well as on the chairman of the board at National Geographic. So she has tons of amazing experience and um, lots of advice for women and entrepreneurs and philanthropists. And it was really powerful to see her speak and get to meet her in person. And next speaker up is Carolyn Miles, who uh, leads Save the Children. Yeah. A darn alum. I know. Uh, I can't wait. Amazing. So we'd be coming back for that. Yeah, I'll be here. So it's great to have this kind of program. I think it's always part of the vision um, here, uh, bringing the Darden Network, Darden Reach, Darden Intellectual Capital here to uh, the D.C. area. So excited to see all of this happening. So, well, thank you for taking of time. Of course. It's it was great to chat with great you. Great catching up with you and uh, good luck. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Audrey Hartland, an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at Darden, Virginia, dot edu. And until next time, thanks for listening.